0: Good morning, good morning. Today's daf is daf nun tes. Today's shiz is ilun bas Yaakov and Mordechai ben Yaakov. And Leib ben Yisroel Yitzchakalevi, men, and then a shamas have an aliyah, and may their memory be a blessing. Okay, I think I'm going to jump back to the sugya that we did redo it yesterday, but let's just quickly go back and start the beginning of the sugya again. So it's about the ninth last line on nun 58b. Okay, so once we've been discussing uh, shaving a beard and shaving with a razor, we now go on to another halacha that has to do with uh, shaving hair, Um, but a totally different halacha. This is the Isur of Loisil Bash Begid Isha, or the Isur of a man wearing woman's clothes, or a woman wearing man's clothes. And we express it like that, but as we're going to see, it actually refers to... um, a man, what's the word, beautifying himself, fixing up him, doing, doing himself up with practices that are unique to women. So he says, Rav says that a man is allowed to shave or remove all the hair from his body with a tar, with a razor. He says, they challenge us. If someone removes the hair from their armpit or erva, um, he gets lashed. If it's lashed, it means it's Doraisa, and Rav came along and said that you can just go ahead and do it. So there's no Hobetar, Hobam is The difference is, are you using a blade or a scissors? I to use a blade to remove the hair. I make yourself perfectly smooth, which is the practice of women. We'll discuss contemporary practice and stuff shortly, but just let's just run with. How the Gemara is doing it. So removing hair so that the skin is smooth is a pr- is woman is, is practice of a woman. But to use scissors where it's not such a good smooth uh, shave. Again, we're discussing uh, base hashechi or base erevah arm but uh, other body hair. We're not discussing anymore his uh, facial hair or his the hair on top of his head. Um, so there, that would be. It sounds on the surface fine, but maybe only a issur he says, oh, but now there's a problem. So we said the difference is using a tar or using a scissors. But what was Rav's exact expression? A person is allowed to remove the hair from his body with a tar. You told me a tar is also not Rav's permitting a scissors, but he says tar. He says, no, didn't Rav say using a tar, a blade, a razor? No, he means short Cutting it short like a tar. Someone would point out if you look at what's the language we've seen up to here regarding shaving with a blade? Taglachas. So makeal batar implies not such a good clean shave, more like cutting with the scissors or something, and that would be fine. Again, we're not discussing uh, facial hair anymore. Um, it says Omar Rebihia Baraba said in the name of Rebiochanan, Hamavibesas <laughs> Everloike if someone shades off the the hair of the armpit and the base ever they get lashed may challenges havorah say her I Torah let me do very removing hair is not an issue midivere Torah rather it's midivere soy so he says yeah my like and have it what does Rabbi Eichlan mean when he said you get lashed midra you get the rabbon lashes Interestingly enough, we actually saw in Tosas early on in the Moseft, well, what are rabbinic lashes? Lashes mid is If Khazal see that people are behaving inappropriately and they need to keep and you're transgressing yisurei or certain halachas that they feel are, uh, I guess, undermining the, for lack of a better word, the, the Kedusha of society, they, one thing, then they'll give a person lashes. We saw early on in the Moseft that there's an aspect of lashes midrambon that's stricter than dorisa because remember dorisa you have to meet all the criteria of adim and warning and you know all the strict criteria and not only that it's capped at 40 lashes midrambon there's no cap they can choose however many they want to give if they think someone needs 400 lashes they can give him 400 lashes um so that we did see in Toshis earlier. So we have here, it seems very clear, it seems that Rav allows shaving with uh, scissors, removing bodily body hair with the scissors. And Rabbi Yochanan seems to hold that it's a Isudra Bonin. Both of them do not, um, it's not clear what does Rav hold regarding using a razor. Is it it seems that Rav holds that would be Doraisa, because they challenged him with the brysa of, if you remove the baysa shekhi or baysa erva, he said, OK, you get lashed. But it could also be like Rav that it's only mid and lashes. OK, yo, just to mention, yo, I should have I did say this at the beginning, but Tosha says, yo, what's the concern here? L'yibash gever, the eater of a man wearing woman's clothes, I... Uh, that's the language of the prophet, but it means um, adorning himself like a woman. Because <laughs> the Omri, some had a slightly different version. Omer Reb-Khiya Bar-Aba, Omer Reb-Yohanan, Ham-Abi-Baysa-Shech-U-Baysa-Ervel-Loyke, Mishum-Loy-Yobash-Gever-Sim-Lash-Isha. Reb-Khiya reb bar aba it's in the name of Reb-Yohanan, that if someone removes the, the hair of the armpit and the hair of the erva, they get lashed because of the post-it. There's a massive a, a challenge that's haro, 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 sayar, en-e-mediv-Rei-Torah, en-e-mediv-Rei-Sofrim. Reb-Khiya khiya bar to remove that hair. Says no, who da Amar ki He's going in accordance with the following If someone removes the hair of their base hashechi or base they transgress the negative commandment So interesting. So we actually now where we holding at the moment that is a machlokes to know, is. Removing the hair on the other parts of your body so that it's smooth like a woman's is that also midraban and also doraisa. That's where we're holding that. It's a know him. Ah, so and what was the source? It says lo Bash Geber simnas isha. A man is not allowed to adorn himself like a woman. But now the Gemara is going to ask, oh, a man is not allowed to adorn himself like a woman. Well, what about um? If the other opinion says it's fine, then how does he explain the posuk? That's a fair question. Again, we have the one Tanu who comes along and says, Lo you says a man's not allowed to uh, beautify himself with normal practices that a woman beautifies herself with. Well what about then what does the other Tanu who say that no, that's fine to shave? That's not what the Posuk means. What does he use the Posuk for? So Tanakama high, gever my what does he expound? Mi boy leil the tanya he needs it for the following brisa. Lo yihakli gever al isha. A woman, the kli gever, generally that would be vessels and it's sometimes referred to clothes, but we'll see how he uses it. Allah isha a woman. Ma'atamud loymar. What does the Torah say? Im yilbash ish simlas isha veishas simlas ish haraykver namar. So he says, maybe you'll say it's just referring to a man wearing woman's clothes and a woman wearing man's clothes. I just cross-dressing. He says, neymar, But the Apostle says it's a ta'evahiva. Ta'eva. You can't say this is that bad. Ta'eva is a very strong expression that the Torah uses. So you're telling me a man puts on a woman's shirt or a woman's jacket. He's a ta'eva? Or the other way around, a woman wears man's clothes. It's a ta'iva. That sounds a bit extreme. That's what the, that, if I'm understanding, that's what the Gemara, the Talahs are, see? There's no Elishaloyubash loyubash ish simlas isha v'yeishay bein anashim. V'yeishay simlas ish v'teishay bain anashim. A woman shouldn't, a man shouldn't wear the garment of a woman to sit amongst the woman, and a, a woman shouldn't wear the garments of a man to sit amongst amongst the men I, which oh, it's not just the motivation of cross-dressing it's like disguising yourself to get into the woman's change room that's the problem here oh, so that's very scary that's become in the, the, more, the more woke you go and the more uh, liberal the society is it's now becoming well if acceptable for a man to say look I think I should be dressing like a woman and I can go to the woman's change room and bathroom. Um, so that's, that's a serious problem. I mean, again, their claim is that at their core they are really a woman, but you're running into exactly these things. Um, but again, and the, yeah, the Rosh points out that, that here is, um, the problem is he wants to look like a woman for promiscuity. So again, his motivation is not just to put on a woman's jacket, it's to disguise himself so he can get mixed with women. Yeah. <laughs> the Rush is about sixty six, yeah, seven hundred years ago. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I was thinking about it, I mean one second. But for a man to dress smarter in some ways is gives him more opportunity than if he's caught dressing like a woman <laughs> to get into the <laughs> but yeah but again that's the, the idea is to disguise himself so he can uh, mix with women or a, a woman to disguise herself as a man to mix with the men easier yeah also remember this is written in the time of which is uh, about the year 200 am I right 300 probably a bit more recent but yeah 500 uh, we so say so that the Gemara is written or compiled the between the 200 them. and 300 from about 100 zero to about 300 the Romans were it was a big problem in the that way, and I don't want to go into the that eventually that's the like No, but here, but here the, here the concern is not uh, homosexuality, here the concern is... Uh, that, yeah. I mean, we are promiscuity, I don't know. Okay. don't um, Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov. I'm Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov. Says Minay Shelad Taitza isha Bekli Zayin the Milchama. How do you know that a woman shouldn't go out with weapons? I clea here. Clea often, as I said, refers to clothes, but Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov's learning it as referring to um weapons. Says Talmud Loimar Lo, lo Yekli Gever Al Ishah V'Lo bash Geve Simnas isha. She Lo, lo Yetakin Ish B'Tikune isha. Says a. Uh, uh, um, the kli gave should not be on a woman and a man shouldn't wear the garment of a woman What? That, um, and that's telling us that a man shouldn't adorn, him, uh, do himself up adorn himself with beautification procedures that a woman does um, so again, so according to the tanakama, to shave the hair to remove the hair even though that might be woman's practice that's not enough to get him into the change room so that wouldn't be Isidore uh, But according to Rebeleza ben Yaakov, it's doing any sort of adornments, I don't know if adornments is the right word, any sort of uh, beauty practice that are unique to women. That's the problem. That's, that, that's his problem again. It's very interesting. Rebeleza ben Yaakov says here he's not allowed to wear um, weapons. Now I ask for Moshe Farnstein. Not sure why can a woman who lives in uh, the West Bank and has to travel to Yerushalayim, can she keep a gun on her? And the one answer was that they wanted to suggest, well, it's not to be like a man that wears weapons. It's for safety. I think this might have been even with uh, Rav Shabzai Rapoport. That's Ramoshe's grandson-in-law, who I mentioned mentioned yesterday regarding shaving. But here he was asking regarding, I think it's him, who asked his grandfather-in-law, Ramoshe Farnstein, um, about wearing this. uh, this. And Ramoshe wasn't happy with that reason. But he says at the end of the day, to protect herself from these lawless uh, Arabs, don't use quite a strong term, something along those lines of these lawless Arabs, have no fear um, to protect herself, she definitely can. So not, yeah, and that leads to, um, and that leads to a, a big discussion. Are there any times that a man can wear women's clothes or do women's practices of adornment? Just for example, we'll see some of them will kind of be addressed. Let's say it's uncomfortable. Let's say his uh, armpit hair is causing him a rash. So he's not doing it to be beautiful. He's doing it in womanhood. He's doing it uh, for practical purposes. Thinking, uh, I didn't get a chance to go into the sources again, but uh, a famous question. Um, what the classic example of chivalry is you're walking at night and it's a bit cold, so you take off your jacket and you give it to your wife or your partner or to a, to a lady. So isn't that, but that's wearing men's clothes. So again, it's not for her to be beautiful, it's not for anything. it's just for practical, for cult. So are there these exceptions? And uh, the post can discuss it. When is it uh, strong enough? Um, Another practice that they mention as um, a woman's practice, which is quite interesting, dyeing the beard. If someone's beard starts to turn grey, so to dye it black. Or their hair starts to turn. So interesting, I mean, to say that that's baguette issue is quite a jump because women never dye their beards um so but uh maybe it just means the pr- the, the aspect of dyeing your hair dark to look younger that that's problematic, at least in the eyes of Haal um, yeah, so what would that be um in general, dyeing hair might fall into that problem. We'll come to more modern examples shortly, but in the times of tamur dyeing hair would, would was a woman's practice, and therefore men would not be allowed to do it. Um, yeah so so that's yeah so that's some basic examples of this isra of, of lawl bash um law gever al isha of bash gever simnas isha um omar ibn akhmar says but nazir mutar for a nazir is permitted once the nazir is shaved off with a razor all his the hair Okay, guess, from his neck up. Then to go and shave the rest of his body is not a beauty practice. That's not. Uh, so, therefore, he's allowed to. B'leis Hilchasa Kavaisa and Naloch is not like him. Not according to these opinions that he's not allowed to shave the hair of Beis HaShekhu Beis Even if he's a Nazir who's shaved off all his hair, he's still not allowed to go and shave off those that, that hair. Is that a but well, so, so I'm not. Sure. That's what we said according to Rav. I'm not sure how we're now. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm not actually not sure. Is it only to make it very, almost let's say, smooth like a woman's had a problem, or is it even just to trim this hair, which may be considered more uh, a feminine practice then it could be problematic? I'm actually not sure. So he says, oh but if we saw, we noticed Rabbi Yochanan he didn't have any hair. But somehow they noticed Rabbi Yochanan didn't have any armpit hair, so it seems that Rabbi Yochanan was fine with shaving his armpits. He says, no, Lohan Machma Zikna Nishra, his hair fell out because of his old age. Hahudis There was a certain person who was liable to lashes before Rebiyami. Says, Iglay says, and it turned out his armpits were uncovered. And they saw that he was he'd never shaved there. He was quite Pious, he never shaved or trimmed his armpit hair. He Leave this judgment from this man. I, you know, he don't give him lashes. He's not deserving of it. We see he's pious. Now there's a big question. I saw the, the, the Yavets ask it here. They ask it, the, the Pulet Harufta asked it in Makos, where a lot of the sugya comes up again. Um, but wait. If he's high of lashes, let's say he ate non-kosher, and therefore he ate... Uh, the veilah, and Therefore, he's chayv lashes. I can't say, oh, he looks quite pious. He, uh, he wears a yami and he doesn't uh, cut his arm but uh, hair. I, I don't want to give him lashes. So, interestingly enough, they, they answer, they say, so it must be he was chayv midarab uh, He did something that Rebbe um, Rabbi Ami felt he was deserving of rabbinic lashes. When he saw that he was not such a lawless guy, he was still careful with some halachas. He decided he didn't deserve it. Um, wh- what's he saying? Because he. It's up. Remember, a, uh, Malchus Midrabonan are up to the Dian's discretion. He says, ah, Look, what you're doing is not that bad. I'm just going to give you five lashes just to, like, you know, keep you on your toes. Or you know, you you are really, behaving terribly. You you're sneaking into the woman's bathroom. I'm going to uh, give you uh, 400 lashes, whatever. The, you know the, it's up to the daven's discretion. So Rabbi Ami saw that he wasn't so bad. He was someone who was even careful with the halachas of not uh, of not uh, shaving still bash. So therefore. So I keep, I keep on getting the terms wrong. The Lord Yubash gave us him He was careful with those halachas. So he's not deserving that many lashes. And then there are a few opinions, but, but if what he did was wrong, he did something that was deserving lashes. So why should this uh, counterbalance that? So there are various uh, answers given to that. One of the more interesting ones I saw is that, no, really he was higher for being a little bit disrespectful to a Talmud Chacham. And that's why he was getting lashes along the lines of Chayrin. But now a Talmud Gokham is allowed to be fairly disrespectful to a Talmud Gokham. So Rabbi Ami realized that this guy wasn't such an ignoramus in the way he did speak, way his behavior was appropriate. So he wasn't deserving of the lashes anymore. Okay, all different ways to get around. How can Rabbi Ami just say, oh, he looks, he's pious in this regard. He wears, uh, he, he dresses, uh, he doesn't need a... Uh, he doesn't need lashes anymore. What's the one got to do with the other? So those are various ways that it's addressed. Boy, minei rabbi, rav, mi, chia, Galeah. Rav asked, rebi, so what's that loch? Can someone shave their armpit? So, Amalei also, he said it's for Vernon. Omalei v'hoqo gadol. He says, but it's just going to grow and get uncomfortable. He says, Amalei barpetti, zman, yesh lo, man shehu gadol, no, shuhu. He says, no, the armpit hair doesn't grow indefinitely. It's not by time he's... Uh, 30-year-old, he's going to have armored hair hanging down to his waist. It's, it reaches a certain length, and then it falls out. It doesn't grow too long, so it shouldn't be... So therefore, it's not a problem. It says, Can you scratch the hair, rub the hair to get it out? So, it's forbidden. But What about like rubbing it with your garment so that it falls out? It's permitted. It's permitted. It's permitted. But Some say that was actually asking, can you touch those parts of your body with your garment when you're davening? I mean, if you touch parts of your body that are normally covered, well, you're not allowed to do that during davening, and you have to wash your hands. So what if you touch it or scratch it with your garments? Is That's forbidden. But lay said aloch is not like him, it would be permitted. So whatever, you have a scratch on your side, you can use your shirt or your jacket to scratch that, and it's not a problem of... You, you won't have to wash your hands it wouldn't be a problem during davening I would just say remember if you're davening it's as if you're standing before Hashem so just remember stand uh, with dignity and decorum as if you're before the king but that's, that would be a, simil- a, a, a different halakha what about modern days so I mean interesting I remember my grandfather discussing someone had written to him I don't remember what they were but it was quite uh, manual labor and they found that the hair on their body were reduced to sweat and stuff got very very uncomfortable so they're asked, can they shave? Again, they're not shaving for beauty, they're shaving for practicality. Um, a similar question to what we mentioned before. What about cyclists? Always want to shave their legs because if they fall or something, it, gets, it can get very, very painful. Is it because of that or because they want to be more streamlined? Whatever the reason is, they, like they shave not off sun, their hair. Not to be more streamlined. Yeah, so. So what's the, so, so is that they're not doing it for beauty. And we can go even further that nowadays, it's actually become fairly, I don't know, standard, but fairly common for men to remove all bodily body hair. So interestingly enough, we already see this addressed by the times of the Gaonim. That's the year 800, 900 about, maybe even a little bit earlier. There it's discussed because, and it seems, and this is an article I was reading, so I don't know if it's, uh, but he wanted to assert that it was the, the Muslim influence, but it seemed fairly common practice for men to remove all body hair, basically from the neck down. And, uh, and therefore, the only wanted to say it's permitted. They said this halacha that we're speaking about the body hair it's, depends on the minag of the place and the town. So if you're in an area, where men must be, like in Bavel, in the times of the Gemara, where men did not remove body hair from the neck down, then it would be, and only women did, then it would be uh, transgressed, this negative commandment. But if you live in a place or a time where it's fairly normal, then it would be fine. So it's quite interesting, this halacha changes depending on the place and the time. And most of the Svardi Poskim, not all, but most seem to follow that tradition of the of the uh, um, of the goonim. and yeah if you live in a place where it's normal for men to shave remove bodily hair then they're allowed to and uh, however the Ashkenazim, the more Europeans said it's a problem so this article wanted to assert that in uh, Europe I don't know the exact years if you want to go it's a 35 page article on it when on uh, men removing bodily hair and the, the halakha um, but he wanted to assert that in Europe it became the nor it was more normal for men to leave their hair as a sign of masculinity and therefore removing body hair would be a feminine practice and therefore also Whereas in the Muslim influenced country- countries, he brought the paragraph but in the Quran it says that men must remove the hair as part of their cleanliness. Um, that that seemed to filter into Jewish practice. To be clean, they would also remove their hair. Interesting enough, in Europe, they were, in the more European countries, they would bath twice a year um, and grow their hair. That was uh, manly. And in, uh, in the mu- Muslim countries with Muslim influence, their culture was to be much more careful with removing all their excess hair and, uh, and bathing or showering much more often. Um, so he, he lands it up with that and says, if you notice, most of the, the Ashkenazim often don't even discuss, you know, the Gaonim and the different branches. They just say straight out Asur, which again, this is his assertion, but that lands up with where they lived and the practice of their places and time. Whereas the spardim were more open to it, based on the tradition they have from the Gaonim, but that would also have been influenced. They lived more in more Muslim lands. So if that true and thing and i would imagine it makes a lot of sense then in modern where it's fairly common for men to also remove bodily hair it wouldn't be the, the issue also again if you're following strict uh, if you want to follow the khumash strictly and the gomorrah strictly and say that it's a blanket issue for men to remove hair then it would still be also regardless of how many men do and what the culture is but if you're going to say that no the the issue is a feminine practice, a feminine beauty practice, well then if it's common, I don't think it even has to necessarily be widespread, but fairly common amongst men to do that, then it's no longer a feminine beauty practice, and it would be fine. So that would probably, um, personally I lean to the second, that uh, at least, uh, if we're not there yet, we're heading there, that it's common for men to remove bodily hair as well and therefore it wouldn't necessarily be this issue of arise ok let's go on to the next Mishnah at the top of Nun Echod Baiz if one of them die one of who die so remember that was this is going back to the last Mishnah the last Mishnah was there two Nazirs and someone points out to them sorry one of you I, I missed I didn't see which one of you but one of you became Chome so remember we said what do they do so they keep 30 days of Naziris and then they bring one set of korban tohar of the korbanos for... for yeah, let me just go back one second. Remember the difference, a nazir tohor and a nazir tome. A nazir tome is a nazir who became Tomeh and now he's bringing sacrifices to be able to resume his naziris. And a nazir Tahar is a nazir who's concluding his naziris. That's the terms used for it. So the one that they bring to... Between the two of them, one of them is tohar and one of them is Tomeh, they bring a sacrifice that both sacrifices, one for Tome and one for Tohar, and they each say, one says, if I'm the one who's Tohar and you're Tome, well then this is my sacrifice and that's your, and the Tome, Korbanos, the, the Korbanos for the Nazir Tome are for you, and the other one, and there he says, but if I'm the one who's Tome, then it's for me and the other one's for you. Then out of doubt, they both have to keep another 60 days, sorry, another 30 days, and at the end of that term, they bring a, one set of karmanos for purity for an a and he says if I'm the one who was Tahor well, then I've already brought my, then the Tomei sacrifices were for you. I've brought my Toho sacrifices, and these Toho sacrifices are for you. And it says, if I'm the one who is Tomei, then the first tome sac- the sacrifices for being Tomei were for me. The sacrifices for Tahara were for you. And these sacrifices are at the end of the 60 days are for me. So that's what it is. But that works all very well when both of them are still alive and they can make this condition. He says, Zechon, man, what happens if one of them dies? So now they can't bring both sacrifices. You can't bring sacrifices for a dead person. So how does he get around that? So Omer ibn Yeshua. says, "What he does is he gets, finds someone, finds a, someone in the marketplace, a friend who's prepared to take a vow to be a nazir, corresponding to him." V'oimer, and this is what he does. He says im ato. Again, because remember to Safik whether he's Tomei or a Safik whether his friend who just died was Tomei. So he says, If I am Tomei, then you will be a Nazir immediately. If I am actually Tahar, you will start your Nazirus again kind of 30 days after 30 days. It says the ciphering shloshim so they count 30 days will may in karban the karban tahara they bring the karbanos for being tahar and the karbanos for being tuma the he says "Im who had if i am the nazir who was tuma karban tumaje the karban tar kha he says that these karbanos tuma for me and the Ta ones are for you the imani who had tahar if i am tahar Korban Tahorosheli, the Korban of purity on mind, the Korban Tumah Besafek, and the Korban Tumah is left in doubt, is brought out of doubt. Just quickly, where we hold things. So remember again, we've got this guy who says, look, I'm other Tahor or tame. I have to be able to bring the Korbanos at the end of being Tahor, and I have to be able to bring the Korbanos at the end of being tahara." So tar, tar. So what does he do? He gets a friend who says, you know what, I'm also prepared to live in Nazir for 60 days. And what do they do? He says to his friend, If I am Tomei, so this is your is conditional on this. If I'm Tohar, you're a Nazir immediately. We're all discussing all this happens on day one. And we'll see in the next mission, which we'll leave for tomorrow, is also all this happens on day one of the Naziris, just to keep it straightforward. So I'm a Nazir, I might be Tomei, might be tohar. If I'm Tomei, you're a Nazir immediately. And then what happens? So in 30 days time. He brings sacrifices of Tume and sacrifices of Tahira. And it would be, if I'm Tomei, then the sacrifices of Tume are for me. If, and these are your sacrifices, because your nazirus started immediately. He says, if however I am tahar, then your nazirus only starts in 30 days. So they both count 30 days. They bring the two sets of Korbanas. And he says, if I'm Tahoe, then these Tahoe sacrifices are mine. If I'm Tomei, well, then these Tomei sacrifices are sacrifices out of doubt. You know, special halach, firstly, the, what's the, what does the Nozut Tomei bring? A chata sa'oif, a oila sa'oif, and an osham lamb. I think it's a lamb. Or I don't remember if it's a. Was it a ram or a lamb? I don't remember. But either way, an animal for his osham. So then the, 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 the oila can be brought as an adova. The chattas A'Oif we learnt a special leniency. Generally, you cannot bring a chattas unless you're clearly obligated. But by the chattas Oif you're allowed to bring it out of doubt. So he does that. So that's why he can bring the sopheg sacrifices for Tuma. If he's tomei, good, he's brought them. If not, they're brought out of doubt. Just not the osham. He can't bring the Oshem. Then we carry on. Now, they count another 30 days. Or um, maybe in carbon tahara, and they bring the carbon tahara, and he says, he says, if I am tameh, then the carbon tuma was that we brought 30 days ago was mine, and the carbon tahara that we brought 30 days was yours. and this is the carbon of my purity, of my concluding matters If I was always Tahar, then 30 days ago that Karban Tahar was mine, the Karban tumah was and the Karban Tumur was, as we explained, brought out of doubt, and this is the Karban for you purifying yourself from being a Nazir. Now again, we're going to end up with, why did we end up, I mean, we started off today's stuff with part of that discussion, but it was all a continuation from men shaving. How did we get on to that discussion? Because remember, here you have two Nazirs shaving out of I doubt. Shaved, yeah. And you're not allowed to shave with the razor with your pears or your beard. So remember, in the previous answer, we said it must be women or children. I didn't laugh there, I I mean, I that. I must I mean, I found it difficult. Because it sounds like it's a general rule yeah. and now we're limiting it to uh, Yeah, I mean but otherwise you're gonna run into trouble. How can you shave your payers with the or your beard with a razor? Shave your payers at all or your beers with a razor when you're gonna end up transgressing a neg- that's a negative commandment out of doubt. So that's a problem. So that's Rabbi Yoshua's answer. One second. Um aloy Benzoimer Rebbi says, Oh she is connect of here. Who's going to listen to him? Who's going to do him this favor? It says, yeah, you go, yeah, I'll be a Nazir for 60 days. I'll keep, if you're Tomei, I'll keep the first 30 days will be my real Naziris. And I'll keep another 30 days out of doubt. And in case you're tome, yeah, you're right. I'll keep the first 30 days out of doubt. And the second 30 days will be my real Naziris. Either way, yeah, you're right. I'll do you the favor and keep 60 days. It says, what's the chance of finding someone who's prepared to do that? Imagine to find someone to be a Nazir as a favor is difficult enough. To be a Nazir for 60 days? Not happening. So what does he do? He says, Rather what he does is, again, after this Nazir, not, he's not sure whether he's Tahr or tamay. Okay, After 30 days, he brings a Chata which is brought by Nazir Tahr. And a Oilas Bahima, which is brought by Nazir Tahr. And he says as follows, for Im Tahr, Ha'yisi ha'chatas if I am actually Tomei, the chatas is what I am obligated to bring. This chates is what I am obligated to bring. Brings the chates off and he restarts etc. The And the animal is a voluntary offering. So if. If I am actually Tomei, the chates is for my obligation. Because he's actually Tahar. And the Khatas is brought out of doubt. As we've said, you can bring a Khatas out of doubt. Special aloha. Then, the Shoshim Yom, he counts another 30 days. There may be Korban Tahar, and he brings all three sacrifices as a Tahar, as, as if he's a Tahar Nazir, a Nazir concluding his nazirus. Why? and he says, If I was initially Tahar, well then my first Oila that I offered 30 days ago was an oil wasn't voluntary offering and this is my obligation you see if I was actually taher, if I was actually taher, well then the oil I offered 30 days ago was my obligation for a Nazir this oil is, that I'm bringing now after 60 days is voluntary Vazushar Korbani and these are the rest of my Korbanos. the other two, the chat, because remember he brings the chatas, oil, and shlomim. So the oil, the khatas and the shlomim are what I owe. So what's Benzoima's solution? That he, 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 he's by himself. He might be Ta may might be tar, Game keeps another 30 days. At the end of that day he brings one animal, the oil, the khata, saying if I'm Ta may this is my sacrifice for being Tomay. If I'm Tahar, well then this oil this uh, lamb is my oila. And then after thirty days he again he says if I was Tahar, well then I've already brought my oila and now this is my shlamim and machatas. If I was actually Tomei, well then my oila at that time was just a voluntary offering, and here my three sacrifices I owe as a Nazir tahor He can't, remember, if he's actually supposed to be a Nazir, he can't bring his sacrifices early. So if he was actually Tameh for the first 30 days, and now he's tahor, a Nazir tahor for the next 60 days, the Ola that he brought then cannot count for now, because it was brought before he finished his nazirus. so that's why he says. Now, on my Rebbe Yoshua... Can you bring a... Uh, well, look. Sometimes you can send it as uh, by, someone. by someone, but here that's what, what do we mean if he's Tomei? at the end of thirty days? He purifies himself, yeah. and then he brings his nazir to- his carbonos. So it's not a Tomei person bringing. Again, as I emphasised, we talk when we say uh, the carbon a nazir Tomei, We don't mean literally. We mean a nazir who became Tomei and now has to conclude that nazirus of being th- that that and restart his. Nizuros de Tahara. Since he, since it's a sophic, he might. Now generally, the moment he becomes Tomay, he starts counting his seven days. He keeps on the third day, gets sprinkled. Seventh day, he gets sprinkled, and then he, he goes to Mikvah, and either then or the next day he brings his korbanos and. Re, he, sorry, the next day he brings his korbanos and restarts his Naziris. That's. Normal, but that's as straight as he becomes Tome. So, again, the case we're discussing, he became Tome on the first day of his naziris. So, by day 7, he's already starting, here, or 7, or 8, he's restarting his new naziris. But here he can't do that because he might be Tahar. And if he's a Tahar Nazir, he's not, oh, and remember, so, sorry, he brings his Kobanaz, he shaves, and then he restarts his Nazirahs. This guy can't shave on the seventh day because he might actually be a Nazir Tahar. So that's why he waits for 30 days. At 30 days, again, he's he's from being tamei Mace, but now out of doubt, he has to bring sac- He has to work out how's he going to resolve the issue that if he's a nazir tahor, he wants to end his nazirus and shave, and if he's a nazir tamei, he wants to end his nazirus bring his sacrifice for being a Nazir Tameh and restart. So that's what we've had Rabbi Yeshua's solution and Zoma's solution. Rabbi Yeshua says to Benzoimah, says, Wait, but it turns out that this guy's bringing his Korbanoth in stages. What's he doing? If he is a Nazir tahor, he brings his Euler on day 30 and his chattas and Shlomim on day 60. Rabbi Yeshua's like, is that Okay. How can he do that? He must bring them all. So he says, Aval the Benzoima, the to Benzoima solution. Says now the According to Rabbi Yoshur, what's the problem? Where do we see that the Nazir has to bring all three sacrifices on that day? Why can't he bring the oil on day thirty and wait a few days a few weeks and bring the shlomim and the Chattas? Why does Rabbi Yoshur seem to be against that? He says, only said his solution and his statement to sharpen the students I'm not sure if this is going on remember Reb sure is the first opinion that says you've got to get someone else from the marketplace and i say the reason is because he's not happy for you to split the carbonus. so I'm not sure which of the statements was more said to sharpen his talmidim or the whole discussion he was asking Ben Benzema a question that made his students stop and think wait what's the problem is there if there's no problem then why bother think of how hard it's going to be to get a second person to be a nausea for 60 days just to help you out then they'll start thinking and then they'll come up with benzoma solutions and that was his motivation it's an interesting discussion that stems from here is i mean in this i don't know if you remember in class but teachers sometimes do they'll read and then they'll misread a word waiting for the class to be on their toes and stop him or they'll state a halacha or a piece of logic that doesn't make sense, waiting for the class to stop him. Or um, and some actually goes quite far. It's like you can say something that's a mistake, that's nonsense, and you're this chalimim are responsible to actually think and process it and challenge you. Um, I had uh, I know of a certain rabbi, he's a very very successful Rebbe. but he'll often say very controversial halachas, back them up. And leave it up to the time to refute that. Says you don't take what... I'm, I'm a teacher in a classroom. I'm not obligated to tell you the truth. I'm, what's my obligation? To challenge you. To keep you on your toes. So you can't take what I say at face value. You've got to be thinking about it carefully. I mean, interesting approach. I'd be very... I'd be nervous to take that approach. But uh, I do hear the, the wisdom in it. Um, Omar Nachman says, avid Aved Leireb Yashua... What would Rabbi Yeshua do to prevent the intestines from spoiling? Now, I found this very difficult. It seems Rabbi either didn't hear. Pardon? The intestines from spoiling? Yeah, what happens is, because remember, you're shechting. So, so let's just go, but yeah, so what's the concern here? Is you're shechting the sacrifice. You're taking out the parts, the innards, etc., and the chalves that have to be burnt on the Mizbah. And now we're waiting for two guys to shave so that you can go and burn these parts on the Mizbah. It's double the time you'd normally have to wait. So why, So I, I think what Rav Nachman is saying is Rabbi Yeshua is concerned about splitting your korbonos, but he's not concerned about you leaving the, once you've already shechted this animal, you're leaving the fat for double as long. That's more problematic because they're likely to spoil Again, where you have to wait any... Oh, sorry, you're not only waiting for him to shave, you're waiting for him to shave and come to the base of Migdash and do the waving and, you know, so so you, you're making... And now you've got to do it with two noses, one out of doubt. So I think what he's saying is Rabbi Yeshua's. He seems to be taking Rabbi Yeshua more seriously. He's saying Rabbi Yeshua's concern surely is outweighed by... Out of, you know, bringing one of your Nazi sacrifices today and the rest a month later. Surely that's outweighed by the risk we have here. So I think that's what Rav Nachman is doing. I'm not 100% clear. And, uh, and that would be another way to dismiss Rebbe Yoshua. But either way, it seems, at the end of the day, yeah, Rav Nachman made a good point. But anyway, Rebbe Yashur wasn't saying his teaching the halacha. He was saying his teaching to challenge the children uh, to challenge his Talmudim, and we'll start the new Sukya tomorrow.